0: Well, good morning. After sitting there listening, maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew. <laughs> um, it's um, it's amazing. You you start doing a bit of research for a sermon, and, and you Google, you know, the chapter that you're reading as uh, as one of my first steps, just to you know see some of the key points that some of the other people pull out. And I actually never ever found a sermon that was written on the whole of chapter eight. So we'll see how we go today. <laughs> So the whole book of Romans so far, we've got Paul building the case to us that regardless of how well we follow the law, there'll never be a time where we'll be good enough to be righteous with God. There's no way that as humans we can complete our covenant with God. Now this is the covenant that God made with Israel back in in Moses' day where God said... I'll be your God if you follow me. If you follow my rules and have no other God but me, I'll be your God. So I guess today the reading is the pinnacle in, in Romans where Paul starts making the, the move from regardless of how good we are, we can never make it, to God's made a way for us to be right with him, to have a right relationship with him, to have salvation. So what's the issue with a law-based salvation? I guess we're, we're captive by the law and, and in the reading today we start seeing the, the difference between where Paul starts talking about living in the spirit um, compared to being captive to the law and as humans I guess if you're captive to the law you're not free to serve. You're, you spend your days trying to follow rules rather than trying to, trying to serve God and the law shows us what sin is but it can't save us from sin, it can't change us, it just points out our faults. We become law abiding and, and we forget that we're here to love and all we try and do is follow rules. The law cannot give us righteous freedom. And I guess in, in the reading, Paul makes a point that if sin is our master and we're free from the law, then we're going to descend into lawlessness. So if, if all we have is the law and then we're made free, the end result of that is lawlessness. But then the compromise to that is is if sin is the master of our lives and we're made free from the law, so we're made righteous with God, then we're free to serve him in righteousness. So the solution for God with, with the old covenant was to make a new covenant with us. And so he sent his son Jesus to die and to make us righteous. And so Paul struggles with this. And uh, in the previous readings with, with Michael last week, where Paul has his struggle with himself, where he says, you know, I know what I need to do, but I just can't do it. And so this was a guy who had the spirit inside him. He, he knew what he had to do. He knew he was right. But yet he still struggled to do what he, what he knew. And I guess the conclusion that, that we come to is that despite having the spirit in us and despite knowing God's love, we're still not yet perfect. And so the law becomes like our our moral benchmark. It's like our compass. But then the spirit is is what actually guides our lives. So what the law was powerless to do for us, to get us right with God, God sent his son to be offered as a sacrifice so that the requirements for us to be righteous with God again would be met. But then in this verse, we move into the, the second part where Paul starts talking about the spirit. And so I guess not only did God provide a way for us to be righteous with God, but he also sent a helper to help us get there. And so why do we, why do we need the Holy Spirit? What's, what's its purpose? So a sinful nature as, as we are as humans, I guess our mind is set on natural desires. It's, it's natural for us to want what our body wants, to want the easy option to glorify ourselves rather than God. Whereas a spirit-filled mind, its desires are set on spiritual desires. Its desires are set on loving God and serving God. In this reading it said a sinful mind equals death. And one of the notes that I was reading said that a, a sinful mind, so a natural mind, is actually hostile to God that unless you have the Spirit in you, your mind is hostile to God. and You look at what's going on around the world and and you see all these people that just hate God, hate the Word of God, and it just makes sense. The Spirit's not in them. Their minds are hostile. Paul goes on to say that to belong to Christ you need the Spirit. Your body is dead to sin, but your spirit is alive to righteousness for being made with right with God. As I was sitting there praying this morning, I, I come to the conclusion that Paul really would have had first-hand experience of, of the Holy Spirit in his life. I guess if you, you recap on Paul and his faith journey, he, he had some pretty extreme encounters with God and the Holy Spirit. And, and I guess it became, came a bit more vivid to me this morning when Paul starts talking about the Spirit and just thinking of all the letters that he wrote sitting in jail. Where he speaks about the love of God. That's, that's not human nature to be able to write those letters. So it's just amazing that, um, that Paul can get to the point in his life where he's able to say that it's only with the Spirit that, that he can do life. And as people who are led by the Spirit, we become sons of God. We have a spirit of sonship which means we're fellow heirs with Christ Jesus and we share in his suffering, but more importantly, we share in his glory. So the notes start talking about this word adoption and um, I guess if we think of our salvation like an adoption process where we become God's sons and daughters, the first step is that, that God actually made a way for this to be possible. And then the second step is that he sends us his helper to, to make sure that, that we stay on track. And in the reading it starts talking about future glory. So the current situation is nothing to compare to the glory that is to come. The creation is awaiting for the sons of God to come where there will be no more bondage or decay. What a life that will be. What a hint of what is to come. Creation will be set free. There'll be no more death, no more dying. We won't grow old. We'll just be free to be the children of God. Imagine that. So the spirit being in us now is like a down payment on our salvation, our sonship. It shows us that we are both now saved and to be saved in the future with the full redemption, like the final process in the adoption, we were resurrected as a right body with Christ. The Spirit's here to help us, help us pray, help us communicate, intercede with God. It says in the reading that we only need to groan our pains and the Spirit will intercede our prayers to God. And then the reading moves into the most exciting part, that we're more than conquerors. It says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is really good news. This is great news. So we're here for God's purpose. He'll bring all things to good for those who love him. But but what's our purpose? Why are you here today? I guess as humans, we can't actually answer this on our own. Unless you assume a God, there's actually no point to life. Let me say that again. Unless you assume a God, there is no point to life. So if you ever struggle with with talking to young people about their faith, ask them that question. Well, what's the point to life? I guess we're here to be disciples. We're here to worship God. We're here to serve him. We're here to love. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is proven by the fact that God sent his son to die for us, for those he has chosen. God's decision to send his son to die for us, to redeem us, to justify, to glorify us, never really had an impact on me when I was younger. I guess I'd grown up in a church, I'd always known that God loved me, I'd always had parents that had loved me. And at times it wasn't really real, it was a bit abstract. About four and a half years ago, this part of God's salvation really became real in my life. It's funny how how God allows us to go through things in life. At times to uh, to grow us, but also to help us understand more about Him. We were at the time partway through our sixth pregnancy. Um, as humans, we don't typically um, we aren't great breeders. Um, statistics say that three out of five pregnancies go full term. Um, our first pregnancy we we had a miscarriage, and then we've had four children, and we're about to have our pregnant to have our fifth. And it's quite interesting with the first miscarriage that we had, um, the difference in emotions between Sharon and myself. Um, I guess I'd never held a child, I'd never had a child of my own um, and so the first first pregnancy we lost at about 12 weeks. Um, and for Sharon it was, you know, she she knew what she'd lost but, but I hadn't. So we had four children um, and we were expecting our fifth and, and at that time in our lives God was doing quite a lot in my life. Um, both personally and professionally in growth, um, we were coming out of a fairly bad church situation. Um, we were in a in a church going on a Sunday night, which was which was great. Um, I was running a small business, employing about 13 people. Um, just before this, or or shortly after this, my main client, which was about 90% of my business, um, called us in one Monday and said, "Sorry guys, show's over, no more work." So I had 13 people looking at me going, well, are we going to get paid next week? And Sharon went into to an 18-week scan. So we were first through the first trimester and uh, the radiographer couldn't find a heartbeat. So from there, we went to Toowoomba for um, the base hospital and, yeah, there was a confirmation that, yeah, the pregnancy, that the baby wasn't alive anymore. And because of how far through we were, um, we actually had to deliver that child that night. And so the child that we delivered that night, we knew was already in heaven with God. And it's funny that during the next few days, I guess we're on a journey with God and his comfort. And I came to the realisation that that miscarriage and the pain that I felt was so real to me, not not because of what I'd lost, but because of the children that I had, that I embraced, that I'd loved, that I'd been loved, that I knew how much this one hurt. And then it dawned on me that I actually started to understand how much God had to sacrifice... So that we could be made right with him. When Jesus was sent to earth, God knew what would happen. He was in a relationship with his son and he still made that choice so that one day we could be made right with him. For me now, I know the measure of God's salvation because of the pain that I felt losing a child that God would send his son here to earth to die for us so that we could be adopted into his family. So when this verse says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He sent his son to die. Therefore, wouldn't he give us everything we need? We must keep this in perspective for how much He has already given us. We can't be separated from the love of God Paul's really starting to build the culmination here on his faith journey. He started with telling us how bad we are in the start of Romans, how incapable we are of saving ourselves, to now, due by God's sacrifice of his son, that nothing can separate us from his love. Paul asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. He's really asking, he's really summing up life here. So maybe the question should be, will life separate us from the love of God? No. In all things, we are more than conquerors. In all things, we conquer life. We're more than conquerors, not because of what we did, but because of the love of God and the sacrifice of his son Jesus. We win at life if we know his love. This is our purpose here. It's a dress rehearsal of what's to come. We are to know his love if we want to be conquerors. Let me conclude with the last few verses of the reading. I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.